Let's continue in worship at this time. If you have your Bibles in Matthew chapter 5, good morning. I'm Pastor Mike. If you're a guest with us here today, may the Lord bless you. We're honored to have you today. This is a special day, always an opportunity for us to worship together. Those of you who are joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We always miss you, think about you, and pray for you. And uh, thank you for sharing with us your needs. And of course, all of you who are here today, please let us know what you need and if we can help you in any way. Matthew chapter 5. So these days we are talking about a very important subject for all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ. And this is this question of how do we live in the world? How do we live in the world? What is it that the Lord expects for us to do and what is our purpose here? Why are we still alive now that we've come to know Jesus Christ? What is it that the Lord wants us to do? Well, we started way back a few weeks ago talking about this subject and we went to Galatians chapter 6. Paul says, I am crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. Nevertheless, I am a new creation. I live and I am a new creation. The same is true for all of us who are believers today. When you came to know Jesus Christ, a very mysterious, wonderful, spiritual thing happened. When you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, denied yourself, repented of your sins, you experienced crucifixion to the world. You may not have known it, but that's why once you got saved, you never felt the same about the world. It was always going to be different because you've been crucified to the world. You've experienced what the Word of God calls the crucified life. So now we've been expanding on that. So what does it mean to live a crucified life in the world? Crucified to my flesh, crucified to the world, and crucified to Satan's tactics in my life. Well, we come to some famous words. This is Matthew chapter 5. The Lord Jesus is speaking to his disciples. They're surrounded by a crowd, as always. The Lord had a crowd around him, except when he was able on a few occasions to get his disciples off to a quiet place and they prayed and they took some time to retreat. The crowd is gathered in verse number one of Matthew five. The crowds are there. He saw the crowds. He went up on the side of the hill and he sat down and his disciples came to him. This is a conversation, Matthew five, six, and seven, the Lord Jesus is having with his disciples. And it is for all of you who are believers here today. Uh, this is called sometimes the Sermon on the Mount and these words, 5, 6, and 7 in Matthew, are extremely important for every believer, every Christian, to understand in this room. <laughs> if you have not read these words recently, you need to go back and read them. We'll spend our time in verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. The Lord Jesus says now to His disciples, and I say to the disciples who are gathered here and who can hear my voice today, you are the salt of the earth. Let me emphasize it. You, 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 disciple, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You, you are, you disciples, you are, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. 
but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light, disciple, your pronoun, your, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Heavenly Father, now, we ask for some, some, some break in the distractions in our minds. We've all come here with all kinds of things crossing our minds. Some sinful, some are just the cares and worries of the world. Forgive us of our sins. May you help us, Holy Spirit of God. We who are believers in Jesus Christ, would you take our minds now and take these truths and plant in our minds the truths of God's Word that we need to hear today. We may have heard these words before. We may have read these words before. Many of us have taught them and preached them before. But this is today. Whatever your word has for us today, afresh and anew, may the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So our focus today is this, that believers are dead to the world, yet living in the world in godliness. We are dead to the world, yet living in the world in godliness. This is what the Lord Jesus is seeking to describe here in verses 13, 14, 15, and 16. So we think again about our purpose in the world, why it is that we're here. Why is it that the Lord has left us here, my dear brothers and sisters? Why has He allowed you to live your life? Why has He put you here? Well, the emphasis is on us. It's on you. You are, as I I mentioned before, it's emphatic in the original language. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So we have to think about today what this means for us as we live in the world. How is it that we live in godliness in the world? The Lord uses, he uses some word pictures here. He gives us an example from nature. He calls us salt and light. And that's what we want to focus on today. So I have three observations that I want to have us look at today together. Number one, the believer lives in the flavorless world with godly saltiness. Now I've used my words carefully here. The believer lives in the flavorless world with godly saltiness. And that's what we'll see in verse number 13. You are the salt of the earth. The believer lives in this flavorless world with godly saltiness. Secondly, we'll see as we read in these words that the believer lives in the darkness of the world as godly light. We read it here in verse number 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And then we see in the last place in verse number 16 that the believer lives in the selfishness of the world doing, and I, I want to add this word to the, to the point here, the observation, doing selfless godly good deeds that glorify God. Long sentence, but every word matters. The believer lives in the selfishness of the world. Doing unselfish 
godly good deeds that glorify God. That's what we must do while we're in the world. That's what you must do as a student if you follow Jesus today. You're in a world, you're filled, you go to school. If you're in public school, you go to school with lots of people who do not know Jesus Christ. You're the salt, you're the light. You have a responsibility to live like Jesus before them in a selfless way, following Jesus and honoring and glorifying Him. Whatever your age, if you're here today, you have a task to live in the world. So do I. And the Lord Jesus is seeking to make it clear to us what it means for us to be, first of all, salty in a flavorless world. The world has no real flavor to it. It's flavorless. See, the Lord reminds us of the danger of believers becoming tasteless like the world. He says, verse 13, you're the salt of the earth, but, but if salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? Answer, it cannot be. If you lose your tastiness, your saltiness as a believer, there's no real difference between us and the tasteless, flavorless world. Oh, I could speak much about the world today. The world is way overrated. I'm talking about the world system that so many people are chasing. So many people are convinced, well, if I just have enough money, if I'm just popular enough, if I'm just famous, if I can just fulfill and satisfy my pleasures. No, you're going to discover the longer you live. And for you boys and girls who are here and you students, the sooner you learn this lesson from the truth of God's Word, the world as, as the man who truly experienced more of the world and its experiences than any Solomon said, life under the sun is vanity. It's empty. There's nothing to it. The world is overrated. Don't be fooled by the commercials you see or hear. Don't be fooled by those who, who seem to be living in happiness and pleasure. There's emptiness. There is vanity in the world. The world is filled with tastelessness and, and unsatisfaction. There's nothing worse than tasteless food. We, we don't appreciate it. It doesn't, we have to somehow put some kind of distinct flavor on it so that it helps us. The reality is, as John said, the world is passing away. The sooner we recognize that we live in a place that is devolving, passing away, getting worse and worse, that this is the plan and purpose of God. This is the way it will go in the last days and so we are living in this tasteless, flavorless world. But we are not the tasteless ones. We're the ones <coughs> who add the flavor. So, <coughs> excuse me, believers' godliness in the world is their saltiness. You know, I said to you a few weeks ago, the reason why the world does not, the reason why the world hates Christians like the Lord Jesus Christ, is because we're different. Well, this is one of the reasons the Lord gives for how you're different. Look at, the, look at the distinctiveness of the believer. It's all right here before you. If you go back in your Bible, chapter 5, verses 3 through 11. The Lord Jesus gives these amazing characteristics of the Christian life. Here's what it looks like to be a Christian. Just run your eye through them. I won't elaborate, but look at this. This is the uniqueness 
This is the saltiness of the Christian in the world. We're poor in spirit, not proud in spirit. We're those who mourn and grieve over the sinfulness and wickedness in our own lives and in the lives of the world. Not those who live in silly gladness that's false and faulty. We are the gentle ones. Verse 6, we are those who hunger and thirst, not for power, respect, money, pleasure. We're those who hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. And we are the merciful ones. That's right, merciful ones. We are those who show mercy in a world that's merciless. In a world where people care and ruthless and does not care about anyone else's needs. We are the pure in heart. As we saw earlier in this study, to the pure, all things are pure. But to those who have been defiled, everything is defiled. You can't, you can't tell a defiled person anything that's good or wonderful that they don't turn around and try to make some kind of perverted joke out of it. No, we're the pure in heart. We've been, as we just sang today, Brother Steve, let us. We sang about the blood of Jesus Christ that has cleansed our conscience, our evil conscience, and cleansed us from our sin and continues to do so. We are those who are pure in heart. Our motives are real. They are genuine because they come from the Holy Spirit inside of us. We're peacemakers. We're not fighters. We're peacemakers. We are not fighters. That's important for us to remember among one another. Why is there, James said, fighting's among you. What is that? That's worldliness. That's living like the world. What, what's that all about? Blessed are those, verse 10, who've been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, not persecuted for their selfishness. And blessed are you when you're persecuted and people say all kinds of evil, verse 11. Notice, because you stand for Jesus. You see, this is the distinctiveness. This is that, that flavor of God's people. You see, we flavor. what does salt do? Salt flavors, salt heals, salt preserves, salt has reactions, chemical reactions. So when you think of yourself, the Lord says, you are, present tense. This is not, you can be. The salt of the earth, you ought to be the salt of the earth. Maybe you could be. No, you are. I'm trying to confront, confront you as a believer in Jesus Christ with your real identity. This is what our Lord says every disciple lives to do and be. We are salt right now in this world. Regardless of the circumstances and the conditions of our world, we are the distinctive ones. We are those salty ones. And our flavor, our flavoring of the world comes by the truth of God that we share about Jesus Christ. You see, this distinctiveness is interesting. This flavor distinctiveness, this matter of saltiness as believers and godliness. You know... I don't know if you realize this, but there are some distinct things about our saltiness. Did you know there's a distinct smell about a Christian? Now, that got your attention, didn't it? That's right. You have a unique smell to God and to the world and to one another. Let me read it to you. Some of you don't believe me, so find it in your Bible. 2 Corinthians 2, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. 2 Corinthians 2.14, but thanks be to God 
who always leads us who are believers in triumph in Christ, 2 Corinthians 2.14, and manifests through us, He manifests through us the sweet aroma, notice, of the knowledge of Jesus Christ in every place. Wherever we go, the sweet aroma of the Lord Jesus Christ is in us. You have a distinct smell, for we are, we are the fragrance of Christ, the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And we are the fragrance of Christ to one. We are an aroma from death to death. The more you talk about the Lord Jesus, the more they hate listening to you because it reminds them that they are dead in their sins. There is an odor and an aroma about us. And to those of us who share with one another as followers of Jesus, Oh, you can smell the fragrant, wonderful life of life. Even when you just first meet someone and you can tell from a distance, you may not know them, they're a stranger to you, but you discover they're a follower in Jesus. Yes, we have a distinct smell. We have a distinct way of speaking. Paul says in Colossians 4, 6, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt. We graciously speak to other people. We do not speak with harshness and bitterness, and anger, and wrath. We are distinct in our speech, and we speak with graciousness. Just like our Lord spoke with graciousness to His most bitter, hateful enemies. We are, we are those who are distinct in smell and speech, but also in our desires. In this very book, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what we're pursuing today. We're not here in the midst of all of our worship saying my most important job and desire is to, to be rich, my desire to be famous, my desire for everybody to have power. No, our desire is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, our distinct smell, our speech, our desires, and even our look. We wear the same clothes as everyone else, but yet there's something about the person in those clothes. Paul said in Ephesians 4.25, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness. That's who you are in Jesus Christ. You are the salt of the earth with distinctiveness. We heal the brokenhearted and the forgotten in our world by our good deeds like salt. We preserve the power of the gospel in our generation by sharing the gospel and by doing good deeds. And we react like the salt reacts chemically to the ungodliness of the world. And we react by living in godliness. This is what we do, my dear friends. Believers, godliness in the world is their saltiness. But the danger is that believers who live in, the, in worldliness lose their saltiness. This has been my appeal to you from the beginning. Are you living today your life dead to the world? Or have you tried to combine worldliness and godliness? They do not mix. And as we maintain our holiness, we maintain our saltiness. The Lord said in uh, Mark 9:50, Have salt in yourself. How do you have salt in yourself? You maintain your relationship with God and the power of the Holy Spirit gives you saltiness. Well, I could say much more, but the second observation is as important. Believers live in the darkness of the world as godly light. 
We still don't seem to be convinced that the world is all that bad. We still don't seem to be convinced that the world is darkness. Though the Word of God repeatedly says it, we are now reminded by our Lord, you are the light of the world. The Lord Jesus has now died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, been buried, raised. Praise God, it is the Gospel, and He's ascended to heaven. He is our great High Priest. And we'll soon come again. Yes, He's coming again. Oh, it's important for us to be ready. So we're left here as the light of the world. We're those who point to Jesus Christ in the darkness. Have you ever been in the dark, my friend? You are the light of the world, which implies you are the light for a dark world. The darkness of sin, the darkness of wickedness. The darkness of ungodliness, the darkness of bitterness, the darkness of sexual sin, the darkness of the evil one closing in and controlling in bondage those who are filling, fulfilling their sins. You see, we are the light of the world in a dark world and the godly life of the believer is the only light in a dark world. Paul says in Ephesians 5, 8, you were formerly darkness. I say to every Christian in this room, you were formerly darkness. And Paul goes on to say, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So here we go. We go to the store, we're the light. We go home, we're the light. We go to work, we're the light. We go to school, we're the light. We go be with our friends, we're the light. We go to, with strangers, we're the light. We're the light. Just as you're salty and you're distinct wherever you go, you are the light. And as a result of that, the godly brightness of the believer is seen by all. This is what he says here. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. You cannot hide light. Light always pushes out the darkness. This is why your friends who do not know Jesus not only don't like your smell, but you're bright. They, they avoid it because... When you've been in the dark and the light suddenly comes on, it causes you to cover your eyes. You're overwhelmed by what you see and they look at your life and you're so different. Things seem to be so different from you. They, have, they see in you what is different about you in Jesus Christ and your light affects them. And as the Lord himself said to us, men and women love the darkness of their sins more than they love the light of God's truth. So godly believers are seen by all and our godliness is the only light of the world. I don't know if you know how urgent it is that the Lord says to us here, you're the light of the world, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light the lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and it gives light to all this church is a light. We are the light. We're the light in Dixon County. We are those who are to stand unique and salty and distinctive, but we're also light in the darkness. And our godliness is the example because in our light, we keep pointing toward the Lord Jesus who said, I am the light of the world. And he who follows me will not walk in the darkness. Did you hear what the Lord said? But he gives to all the light of life. One other thing, and that is that the believer lives in the selfishness of the world, doing selfless good deeds. Let's talk about good deeds for a moment. As we finish our time together, let's spend some time here on verse 16. 
This is for all of us who are believers. This is the command of the Lord Jesus to us. What are we to do in the world? Well, we've already seen it. We're to live with godly saltiness in a flavorless world. We're to live as in godly light, live as godly ones with the light of the Lord Jesus illumined in us in a dark world. But now we come to this matter of selfishness and selflessness. We come to talk about what we do. It is what we say, but it's also what we do. And let your light shine. This is the Lord's way of describing doing good things for others. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Now I remind you that we have a danger of not doing our good works to be seen by men. If your Bible's open, you can glance right there to chapter 6 verse 1. The Lord gives a warning to every disciple in this room, including the speaker, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Oh boy, they do all, look at all these good things they do. Boy, you do your things so that people will see you. Otherwise you have no reward with your father who's in heaven. In fact, verse 16 tells us that as we do these selfless, good, godly deeds, guess what? Unbelievers glorify our God because of what we do in His name. That's a fascinating statement. Let your light shine before men in such a way. Do your selfless good deeds in such a way that they, the world, may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. There's nothing more powerful than doing selfless good deeds in the name of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more powerful. You see, the godly good deeds of believers are the source of light that share the gospel. Paul said it this way, he said, The fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's what we do. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. We go out and we do good. We live righteously and we tell the truth. This is what we do. This is the way we live. We do it in our business. We do it in business with goodness, righteousness, and truth. All the businessmen and women in here, you do your business in the light. You live as salt and light. You don't take the, you don't take the deal that you know is going to harm someone, even though you could and they would never know. God would know. God would know if you did it. You don't act towards your friend in such a way that you betray them and harm them in any way. You want the best for both those who are your friends and you pray for your enemies and you do not attack and destroy those who come to attack and destroy you. Paul said to Titus, he said that the Lord Jesus has redeemed a people. Titus 2.14 is famous verse. He himself has redeemed us from all of our lawless deeds and he has purified for himself a people, listen, for his own possession. Are you ready for this? zealous for good works. When you got saved, nobody had to tell you you ought to do good things for other people. You just started doing them. That's what happens when you're new in Christ. That's what all of a sudden you start doing for people who hate you. All of a sudden, you bless them, you don't curse them. All of a sudden, you find a way uh, to do it privately and quietly, you do things for people and they never know who did it. But in the name of Jesus, it was done because they needed it. This is the task of the believer living in selflessness and doing godly good deeds. If you do your good deeds selfishly, 
You already have your reward for it. I was talking with one of our men one time, and he was sulking. There's nothing more pitiful than seeing a grown man sulk. He was sulking. He's a friend of mine, and he was upset, and he was sulking, and he's so sad. And we were talking. I said, what, what, brother, what's the matter with you? Well, I did such and such, and you know, those people didn't even appreciate it. He said it just like that. Do you do what you do so that people appreciate you? Do you do what you do so that somebody's going to say, man, you're about the best. You're good. Man, what would we do without you? No. We do what we do as the Lord teaches us in chapter 6. We, we pray and nobody knows we pray except the Father. We, we give and nobody knows that we give except the Father. And why? My right hand doesn't even know what my... It's so secret, I don't, my hands don't even know what I'm doing. And lo and behold, beyond that, I do good deeds. And I never blow the trumpet. I do what I can. I would say it to you this way, friend. I hope you remember this as you think about doing, letting your light shine and doing your selfless good deeds. And I'm reminding myself, do all you can for everyone you can for as long as you can. That's what we do. We just keep doing it. We keep letting our light shine all we can as, for everyone we can for as long as we can. I don't pick and choose. I do good for anyone who comes my way. If we're going to be like our Lord Jesus, we go about doing good in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In all of our personal relationships, in our family life, in our business life. And in our personal experiences with strangers, that's what we do. So today, believers live in the flavorless world with godly saltiness. And the believer lives in the darkness of the world as godly light. And the believer lives in the selfishness of the world doing unselfish, godly good deeds that glorify God. You know, it's interesting. I mentioned it earlier. When the early church was doing what they were doing for the Lord Jesus in the book of Acts, one day they'd been preaching about Jesus Christ and doing good, and lo and behold, they got a nickname. You know what they were called? Christians. I'm convinced that the world sees our good, selfless, good deeds as we live as salt and light, and they call us, now that's a Christian. Even though they may not be or desire to be a Christian themselves. Well, what do we remember and do with all of these things we've heard today? Number one, uh, I appreciate Brother Steve, what we're going to do here in a moment. We're going to sing one of those sweet songs, let others see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story. Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. We've put it on the signs as we leave this Parking lot, you've read them. Many of you have been here for so many years. Do you see it as you go out the way? Be Jesus to someone today. As you leave this place, as you leave this place, we go salt, light, doing our deeds, letting the, the in the name of Jesus to glorify Him. We do selfless things for others so that the gospel will be advanced. But we do it as all we can, as long as we can, for everybody we can. And we seek to be Jesus to someone else. You see, the unbelief... I don't know if we believe this. Next statement. But the Lord made it clear that the unbelieving world needs the godly believer in the world. 
We may never be appreciated by the world, and we won't. We may never receive their applause. We may never gain their smile. But the reality of it is we come to our... You see, this is what the church was doing when they were, when they were being persecuted and killed and martyred. They continued to do good for those who were their enemies. And the gospel kept spreading. You see, the unbelieving world needs the godly believer and needs your witness. Your witness is in your saltiness and your light and in your selfless good deeds. And so let your light shine. And I gave you Hebrews chapter 13, 16 as we close. Do not neglect, my Christian friend, to do good. Whatever else you're going to be busy doing in your life, do good. Do good to your neighbor. Do good for God is good. The God who saved you has done good to you and continues to do good for you. Surely it is in our nature now as His children to do good for others because of what He has done for us. Maybe you parents should get your children together and talk about how you could get together as a family and go do something good for somebody else. Maybe today is the day God's put on your heart that person that continues to show up in your life. And today's the day that you must do good and share what you have. By the way, the rest of that verse says, When you do good and share, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. To the glory and praise of His grace. You see, the Lord Jesus is near to the door today. And so we say and pray, come Lord Jesus.